Hi, I'm Rick Hoberg. You're listening to Crusader Chronicles. Read them all. You're listening to Crusader Chronicles, Episode 7, featuring Amazing Spider-Man number 151 and X-Men number 96 from August 1975. Welcome to another episode of the Longbox Crusade, Crusader Chronicles. I'm your host, Pat Sampson. Crusader Chronicles is a spin-off podcast that will journal the comic book issues read chronologically by their release date from my comic book collection, either in digital, in a trade, or from the many long boxes stashed away in my basement. Each episode will provide short recaps, reviews, and ratings of the issue or issues for that release date. Sometimes I'll be joined by fellow podcasters and friends, or sometimes it just may be me alone. The goal is to keep me actively reading through my collection. And joining me this episode is Jared Elbrick, the yard sale artist. That is a prescription for danger. And we have Delvin. I I can't even top that, so (laughs) I'm not going to hit the high F. <laughs> <There we go. laughs> These uh, two crazy guys are going to be joining me on this episode. Welcome, guys. Glad to have you here. Good to be here. Now, before we get started and listening to them talk, why don't we take a quick break and we'll be right back. You are about to see the first public exhibition of an entirely new form of entertainment. You are about to see. You are about to see. Because you demanded it. It's Treasury Cast, a podcast devoted to the greatest comics format of all time, the Treasury Edition. DC, Marvel, Archie, IDW, and more, bigger than life. It's the Treasury Cast, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, and on fireandwaterpodcast.com. Welcome back from the break. Our first issue for this episode is Amazing Spider-Man number 151. It's got an on-sale date of September 9th, 1975. The editor was Len Wein. Writer is Len Wein as well. And the penciler is Ross Andrew. Inker, John Ramita. Oh, interesting. Letterers is John Costanza. And the colorist is Glennis Wein. Uh, And with the cover art... Uh, artist is John Ramita as well, too. And speaking of the cover, Jared, go ahead and give us a description of it. All right. It's got Spider-Man on it. Good job. All right. Good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All right. You don't say. All right. This is a very John Ramita cover. You look at this cover and it says John Ramita. Uh, Spidey is like hunkered down. He's obviously in the sewers. 
Uh, water is just pouring over his back. There's a couple of rats watching him in the sewers, and he's got this low stance, and he's gripping the walls so hard that the walls are, are cracking. And he's uh, saying, flooding the sewer won't help you, mister. Only one of us is leaving here alive. And it's got uh, another blurb that says, can you guess the shocking secret identity of Spidey's super foe? And it's got the classic 1970s banner across the top. No no webs this time. So usually the banner, the title banner mm-hmm. sitting in some webs. Not this time. That, uh, other than that, everything else is uh, standard. 25 cent cover price. Uh, Marvel Comics group banner across the top, as is the normal in the 70s. Uh, but yeah, real real dark uh, lighting. Uh, around Spidey, and then Spidey's very bright in the middle with the with the bright blue water pouring uh, over his back. Great cover, great cover. Delvin, what did you think of the cover? Oh, man. Rocks. Yeah, I mean, that the, the cover's iconic. If you probably just flip through any just random covers of Spider-Man and they're, that they're talking about the best, this would probably be one of them. Yeah, it, it just, it immediately stands out at you, you know, like just with the water coming in and then seeing Spider-Man hunched that down, you know, just looking like he just had like a bad day <laughs> and, and i mean and then of course and him saying the words that he's saying yeah love the cover it was great yeah i think so too i think this this cover really popped out to me more than the issue before and i wonder jared if they didn't do the the normal webbing around it because of the, the blackness trying to keep that uh you know a little darker on the top there yeah i, I would agree i would agree with that yeah i think that because it was so dark up there i don't think the webbing really would have shown unless you brightened it to a color that would stand out from black and you don't want to do that with a cover like this its composition is 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 just dang near perfect so yeah don't mess with that yeah otherwise uh, i want to not a lot going on on the covers kind of i want to say it's kind of simple looking cuz it's just right to the point and your 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 eyes focus on spider-man right away well simple isn't necessarily Definitely. a bad thing pat no oh no no that's what i'm saying it's it's not overly there's not a lot of other junk going on my, my eye is right. My eye is drawn right to Spider Man. How about you, Jared? What'd you think of? Oh, uh, I, I gotta agree with Delvin. This is a this is an absolute uh, icon. This should this it, if it's not on the front page of of John Romita's uh, portfolio, it it definitely needs to be in the in the first couple pages because it's just it's great. It's just. This is great. This is really, really great. <laughs> no, I mean it's just perfect. Like, the, like you said, the composition's great. The colors are great. We, a lot of times, again, we don't mention mm-hmm. colorists on stuff. John Romita Jr. drew a great picture, that, but the colorists came in, did some nice work with the with the water effects, and I like the attention to detail by adding a couple of sewer rats to give it some more atmosphere. It's just, it's it's brilliant, top to bottom. Good. And they don't really say who the colorist was on this one. At least uh, according to Mike's amazing world. I'd have to guess that it's it might be Glennis because she was coloring like everything at Marvel at that time. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I don't know for sure. Couldn't say that it, for sure. Is Glennis Lynn Wayne's wife? She is. Well, she was. They're no longer married, but at the time, yes. Oh, okay. Why don't we go ahead and let's do our cover rating. And just to remind folks, of the for the covers, we rate a one through a three, three being the top, and that would be frame-worthy and, and put it on your wall. <clears throat> Two would go in the box, and I guess one would just send to say, eh, do with it what you want. Uh, Delvin, what's your rating going to be on that cover? Yeah, you know, we had discussed before, you know, that mo- I, I would think most covers are probably going to wind up in a two. Uh, a realm but this isn't the case here this is definitely a three this is just one of those covers that it's simple but it's so completely effective 
uh, that it draws you in. Um, and this this is an iconic Spider-Man cover, and there's not even really much more to be said than that. I think I totally agree, and I have a feeling that we're all going to be that way. Uh, so I'm going to throw in my three as well. Jared, how about you? Let's just bring the grand total to nine then, because I'm giving in to three. It's beautiful simplicity, and it's uh, I would hang this on my wall in an instant. I agree. This is definitely frame-worthy. All right. With that, why don't we open it up and give it a recap of the story for us, Jared? I will. Quick question, though, just trivia-wise. Like, did, have we had a swept cover yet? Maybe that X-Men cover from Giant Size? You mean as a story? Uh, I think, yeah. Yeah, like everybody gave it a three. This, uh, this is either the first time or, or Giant Size X-Men number one might have got all threes from me, Pat and Jason. Yeah, I think that one did. Yeah, interesting. All right. Great cover. We'll have to go back in the... We'll have to go back in the notes and look. <laughs> All right. Let me get this summary going. While attending a demonstration in radiology, high school student Peter Parker was bitten by a spider which had accidentally been exposed to radioactive rays. Through a miracle of science, Peter soon found that he had gained the spider's powers and had, in effect, become a human spider. A Spider-Man. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man. Spider-Man and his amazing friends, Iceman and Firestar. Amazing friends. All right, we're looking at Amazing Spider-Man number 151. The title of it is Skirmish Beneath the Streets. We open with Spider-Man heading to a waste incineration facility. Try to say that fast. Waste incineration facility where he, with heavy heart, disposes of the body of the cloned Peter Parker from the previous series. Now we see Peter, MJ, and Flash at Empire State University after the clone is disposed of, and they're just hanging out doing college things where they bump into their old friend, Harry Osborne, who has recently been released from the mental institution. Peter's worried that Harry might remember his time as the villainous Green Goblin, and worse yet, remember that Peter is actually Spider-Man. But we flash forward to later that evening where we see the gang once again as they attend an engagement party for Ned Leeds and Betty Brant, hilariously hosted by the notoriously cheap J. Jonah Jameson. During the party, there's a series of blackouts rolling through the city that Peter decides to investigate. As Spider-Man, he hops a ride on a passing helicopter to see the blackout city blocks spell out the name of his old nemesis, Shocker. I'm not being sarcastic. It's shocker. It's not like fake surprise. It's the shocker. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's a shock. <laughs> Knowing that power cables run beneath the street, Spidey heads to the drainage sewers and finds shocker, and the two enter into combat. Shocker manages to get away from Spidey and heads topside in time to use his powered vibration gloves to collapse the sewer tunnels down on the webhead. As Spider-Man regains consciousness, he realizes that he is trapped in the rubble and the water levels are rising. And that's where the issue leaves off. Thanks for the recap. Let's get to our first topic. Is this a first read or a reread? 
And we'll start with Jared. Uh, this would be a first read for me. And for me, it will be a first read as well. Delvin, how three are you? For three. First read for me, too. Three for, all right. Woo, we're on a roll here, guys. <laughs> Highs, lows. Let's get to that. We'll start with Delvin on that. I, I, I read the issue, but I, I seem to have forgotten. Did Clone Spidey die or did he get knocked out? Uh, he died in the, in the previous how did he die? The explosion, I think. I think the explosion from that bomb that was intended to kill Ned Leeds ended up killing both Professor Warren, a.k.a. the Jackal, and the clone. Very well done. Okay, so, all right. If, if he's dead, I, I, I guess. But where, where, where's Spidey been keeping a dead body all this time? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's uh. really creepy. <laughs> and, and so, you know, there, there was that. You know, and I'm kind of like at that point because, you know, he had been pals with Fantastic Four forever. He knows Mr. Fantastic. His choice was to dump the body in a silo like he was a low level mob boss. (laughs) 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 It's like, ooh, oh, okay. (laughs) And that's the opening of the the, the issue, too. It's like, yeah, like, man. I got this kind of bad situation. You know what? I'm just going to try and bury this crap as much as possible. It, it it wasn't very heroic of Spidey. And, you know, every now and again, you know, even if you're a hero, sometimes you're just going to have your bad moments. But that was kind of a <laughs> kind of a bad moment. They then went to the, um, you know, the, the part of any Spider-Man comic book that actually has made Spider-Man famous, the supporting cast. You know, they brought back Harry. You know, like from the opening panel, Harry has those crazy eyes already. So maybe Spidey should have dumped him in a silo just to make sure. <laughs> and, um, it, I, I was struck, you know, just as an aside. And I mentioned it like three or four times. Like you get into the stores like, yep, this is good. This is good. And then they would just like bombard you with two pages of ads. Like, holy crap. They did it at least four separate times in the book, like just nothing but ads. Like it, it almost read more like they had like a comic book story, you know, that was just kind of like the filler in between all the ads that they wanted to show you. I kind of made a joke. I don't know who Mantovani is either. You know, <laughs> J. Jonah Jameson was like, you know, all ticked off that Flash didn't know who that is. I don't know who that is at, at all. Like maybe he was somebody cool back in 1975. They definitely, if you had never read any Spider-Man book, you definitely gained a pretty big dislike for uh, J. Jonah Jameson and got got the sense that he was, you know, he was a rich curmudgeon uh, right off the bat. So they did at least do a good job of establishing that uh, in uh, JJJ. So Spider-Man jumped into action. It was pitch black, but Pete chose to just throw his clothes off and hop on a helicopter like he had no other choice. And it's like, you couldn't have taken off your clothes and put them in a pile. It's pitch black. No, <laughs> nobody can see you, dude. You didn't have to throw away your only clothes. But his best jacket, too. Yeah, his best jacket. Just, just <laughs> yeah. threw that aside, man. My mom would have been ticked at me if I would have done that. I was just kind of questioning, like, how did exactly did he know that the blackouts were due to, like, a baddie? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, he had no idea, you know, like it was almost like he was just looking for a reason to just ditch the party almost um, as opposed to he, he really didn't know. And then it was kind of interesting, like uh, the first thought, you know, of everything, if there's a big electrical outage that's going on, like 
who's the first villain you may have thought of? Electro, Electro, (laughs) (laughs) Electro, not not the shocker, you know, but okay, gotcha. And then Spidey found the shocker. And then like the battle scene after that was kind of really low key, like Spider-Man had to jump on him, but he started talking that gave away his location. They didn't really fight. And then his web shooter sort of ran out for just randomly. And then Shocker left him, you know, uh, buried with his chest up to the water. So, you know, this is a to be continued. But the battle up to that point was just a couple of pages. And it seemed like they spent a whole bunch of time on the setup leading up to that non-fight. And it, it just came across as a little disappointing to me. You made some good points there. I kind of wonder if this was like an int- reintroduction again for people that may have just been picking it up at the 151 mark, um, you know, from coming back from the big 150. Yeah. You know, maybe they got some, you know, more interested readers again and said, okay, we got to kind of get everybody, get the game back together, give you a quick lowdown, um, you know, of what's happening. Well, I mean, you know, every comic book does that. You, you have to because mm-hmm. you have to assume it's going to be somebody's first. So that's why you do yeah. the quick recap. That's why, you know, you reintroduce the characters and do like, a, you know, tell what their powers are very, very quickly and then go right into the action. But was it worth doing that necessarily for the shocker? Eh. But, <laughs> you know, at the same time, you know, this is back in 75 and Spidey had been around for what, like 12, 13 years at that point. That's different than 52 53 years like it is now so you know and he since he had only been i think they um the editor mentioned a couple of uh issues then maybe it was worth introducing uh who the shocker was yeah anything else though uh that's all i got uh jerry let's go to you um i have a lot of the same notes as uh, as delvin did yeah where the hell was he keeping that body <laughs> big question of the day um i thought it was cool that they brought crazy eyes harry back uh, to Dolan's point about the, the the fight being a little bit of uh, a letdown, I feel like they could have done a little more spectacle there. Because going back and looking at it, there's essentially five, almost six pages of the engagement party. And I'm like, yeah. uh, okay. I mean, there's a lot of good humor in there with J. Jonah Jameson that, that I actually laughed out loud at one point. So I'm hoping you, you do your, your funny moment spot in this episode, Pat, because uh, I got one for you. <laughs> but, uh, uh, and yeah, what's the deal like? Like, maybe I missed it when I read it. Uh, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think they ever really revealed what Shocker's endgame was other than spelling out his name. I didn't find anything. <laughs> and I was like, what? what is this? Like, okay. what kind of a plot is, like, villainous plot is this? And he was like, yeah, I'm going to cause some blackouts to spell my name out in city blocks. Like, okay, there's no benefit to you there. It's dumb. <laughs> and it seems like it takes a lot of planning. To spell out Shocker or or Shockep, I think yeah, Shockep. Yes, I think is as far as he got on that. But other than that, yeah, I mean, the fight was a little, uh, like Dylan said, underwhelming. A lot of convenience, you know, like like yeah, it was just like convenient. Spider Man decided to even investigate these blackouts. It could have just been blackouts. There's nothing nefarious behind them. And then the convenience of him running out of web fluid. Eh, it just really felt like, even though it's again, it's only a 19 page book. It felt like they kind of like, okay, this is our storyline. We're going to dump the body. We're going to get the gang back together. He's going to fight the Shocker. And I think they, when they fleshed that out and they realized it was six pages long, they were just like, huh, 
well, we got to beef this up somehow. So you get a lot of a lot of the party. But that's yeah. it's still a good issue, though. I, I will say that it's still fun. It's still more than I expected. Like like I said, when we first started reviewing these older Spider-Mans, uh, I didn't really start reading Spider-Man until the 80s. I always assumed the 70s stories were just real kind of cheesy and, and slow paced. But I've been pleasantly surprised overall about how much fun they are and how interesting they are. Uh, so I did, mm-hmm. oh, I, I, I did like that. it. Yeah. I like this era overall. But this particular issue was a little, eh, you know, whatever. Yeah, I, I agree, too. I think this this one, decent story as it goes. Um, I like learning a little bit more like Flash. I was when he showed up, I was expecting him to be a, a real dick or whatever. <laughs> but no, he's he's like I'm like, oh well that's kinda different than what I know, but you know, what changed there? I like oh the way when it opened up and I'm like, Oh, this is kinda creepy that he's burying you know, he's just gonna toss this old body <laughs> into the incinerator there and just not play, nothing about nothing nothing to see here just a body in a you know what's putting some more thought into that we saw in the previous issue we, we kind of joked around about how he spent quote-unquote quality time with mary jane a couple hours in his apartment was that dead body in there the whole time oh god <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what's up with those flies Pete? oh uh, yeah. just really hot humid day <laughs> Don't pay any attention to that. It's definitely not a dead body in there. There's no reason to look in there. <laughs> <laughs> What's that smell? Yeah, it's my uh, cologne. <laughs> Get it? Ah, uh, cologne. Oh, oh, my goodness. No. Oh, oh, oh my. Oh. Yeah, that happened. That mm. happened. <laughs> but I do agree, too. Um, yeah, it was a lot, a lot of time spent at the the party where we get to see jay jonah being him being himself and uh, i think peter left probably he wanted to get out of there because they weren't you know serving any good drinks like yeah, i love that. dr pepper i actually prefer diet dr pepper because it tastes more like regular dr pepper oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> i prefer tap yeah see i mean I, that's that's very 70s do they do they, do they still make tab <laughs> they do I bought some at Walmart just a couple of weeks ago. Wow. Just to say I bought it. Plus, uh, you know, I, uh, because of the diabetes, I drink zero um, sugar sodas, and it's a zero sugar soda. I didn't know that. And now you know. And knowing is happening. All thanks to Spider-Man. And knowing is The wrong podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, of course, you have every, everybody gets dressed up. Uh, Mary Jane looking good. Yeah, they knew how to drew some, draw, draw some Mary Jane. I don't want to be like Shag or anything, but you know. No. The album doesn't know about Shag, but Shag is a podcasting friend of ours who likes to point out whenever there's a super hot comic book character. A super hot lady. I see. Lady of the pages. I, I, I will I will keep any commentary on that to myself. All right. <laughs> <laughs> just to uh, just to add a, another layer to the podcast, just to make it longer, real quick. Pat, are you a yes. Gwen or an MJ guy? I'd have to say I'm an MJ guy just because, you know, growing up, she was my, the girl that he was with when I started reading. Mm-hmm. And uh, the most I know about Gwen is a little bit of the past and the issues we've read. Look, from. I'm not saying you got to get to know her. I'm saying which one are you more attracted to? <laughs> oh, oh, I thought I thought you wanted to know. No, I could care less. I'd say, well, yeah, Mary Jane. I'd have to go with MJ, too. Like, you get the feeling in the comic that, like, of the two, if you wanted to just judge based off of looks, that like Gwen was like the hotter one. But at the same time, it's like Mary Jane, I mean, she became a model. So clearly, it's not like she wasn't, you know, she was lacking in the looks department because she became a model. 
you know, and and when they revealed that she knew who Spider-Man was from basically day one and she kept the secret, I mean, come on. You got a beautiful woman who's going to keep your, you know, biggest secret, you know, like safe. Game over. Yeah. I like her bold, like, I like her bold sort of like outgoing personality too, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they made it a point to, to keep her bubbly, but not like, you know, the ditzy not blonde, but ditzy woman. She's so going. Yeah, yeah. She, I mean, she was doing it to kind of uh, cover up, you know, her own past because, like, Mary Jane doesn't have like the greatest past either. They think her dad like was abusive to her mom or something. But you know, she so she did that, you know, to like just show the world that she was, you know, unbreakable. I guess. Yeah. You know? So let's do an all Mary Jane podcast from now on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you, you might you might get people tuning in for other reasons though. Okay. <laughs> We'd have to put up pictures and images and all that. <laughs> like, oh, that Mary Jane. I'm not. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what about Harry? Harry's like a odd looking guy. Yeah, Harry's always been crazy like that though. Yeah. You know, and that very unique hairstyle that. Yeah. Only him and his dad have ever had in the history of comic book. Um, <laughs> it's like, what? What is that? Are those are those waves? Are are the, what? It cornrows? <laughs> yeah, it's like how? Are the, are, so he's balding, but he still has a widow's peak. But uh-huh. he still has the wavy cornrow type. And some like like years later, like uh, they Deadpool. Like, I was yeah. just gonna bring that up, I, and, and it was so hilarious. It's like, well, is, is it brill cream? For the life of me, I can't figure <laughs> out what this is. Like Deadpool number eleven, I think. Yeah, I mean, I I remember reading that over and over. Oh it my gosh! Something happened, Pat. If you haven't read it, he traveled back in time to like like Spider Man's origin, like Amazing okay. Fantasy fifteen. And so he was there to see it all. And like, yeah, his reaction to the Osborne hair is it was I was just rolling on. There's a lot of funny things to have in that book, but oh my gosh. Because he's legitimately trying to figure it out. He's like, what is going on with this hair? <laughs> Saying every he's got the thoughts that everybody else has had for Pretty a while. Much. I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, this guy's got some crazy eyes and hair and Yeah, I mean yeah, the the Osbournes, they they have never been well people, you know. You got Norman, and then you got Harry, who was messed up because his dad was messed up. And then Harry had a kid, and that kid's creepy and psycho, too. So, Ozzy? Hmm? Ozzy? <laughs> Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, I get oh. it. Jokes oh. and jokes. And jokes. <laughs> Again. Woo. <laughs> 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 yeah, and then, like, Harry Osbourne ended up marrying Liz Allen, who was also very attractive. And you wonder why she was with a dude like that. And the answer is, of course, money. Money. Uh, but <laughs> it's all about the Benjamins. Um, but yeah, and then like her brother was Molten Man. Oh, that's right. Mm. So like that, yeah, right. every every facet of that family's got problems. <laughs> yeah, a, a, whole, a whole bunch of cuckoo birds in, in that tree. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically Green Goblin's brother-in-law is also a villain. <laughs> Did they ever team up? I don't remember them ever teaming up. I, I think they, I think they may have, maybe. But I mean, it was it's Molten Man. So um, how good of a team up could it be? I like Molten Case. <laughs> I don't know if Molten Man had a burning desire to team up. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh, <laughs> you know, I think I, I think where that can lead us right now is into the next <laughs> okay uh, next topic. No, is, wait, I've uh, got more. Uh, 
Do you have no? Just stop them. Do not not allow this to happen. (laughs) All right. Well, if nobody has anything more on the highs and lows of this issue, why don't we go ahead and go into the next part of silly Spidey jokes are for kids. Ah, I'm fired up about my mold man jokes. Well, you can start us off with this segment if you'd like. Oh, okay. Oh, shoot. I closed my app. But I can tell you what part it was. It was at the party. J. Jonah Jameson was straight up hilarious throughout the entire party with his mm-hmm, yeah. cheapness and his trying to protect his stuff. And, like, what, what like overall, just just, just overall story note, like, I, I had to ask myself, like, why in the world did he host this? Right. Party? Like, he obviously didn't want people in his house. Uh, but my favorite part is when um, he's like trying to push it, like he's trying to get the the bartenders to put away the good drinks and only serve the soda, and then he's trying to he's trying to get people to eat the tuna salad instead of the caviar. And he told his employee, he said, uh, "Ms. Boswell, caviar caviar is bad for your teeth. You should try some tuna salad." She goes, "But I don't like tuna fish, Mister Jameson. Come on now, Ms. Boswell, try the tuna, or you're fired." <laughs> like, damn, Jonah. <laughs> Try the tuna or you're fired. That's my favorite part. <laughs> Delvin, how about you? Well, mine happened just like the page before that, you know, when but it it was the lady who was about <laughs> to take she was about to have a seat and like and, she, and Jonah goes, you know, madam, please, this isn't a chair, it's an antique Indonesian incense burner. And and she's like, In the future, Mr. Jameson, if you intend to hold a party, I suggest you do not hold it in a museum. <laughs> 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 yeah, I le- definitely laughed at that too. Yeah, so yeah, JJJ, he, he he's cheap. <laughs> he, he doesn't like to spend the money. I, I like the one Jared had. <laughs> oh, that was my, my top one there <laughs> as well too. I think I think the comedy came from JJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, there wasn't really much of a Spider-Man thing at all. No, not not in this issue. Uh, we haven't come across one yet where, or I haven't yet, where he is just like throwing that good. Well, actually, you know, Tubbins. Can't forget Tubbins. <laughs> yeah, Chubbins and Tubbins. Uh, Chubbins. Tummy feathers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, watch out for your tummy feathers, man! But, oh my God, man. that's just advice for I life, guess. really. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is good advice. Yeah, put sunscreen on, otherwise protect those tummy feathers. <laughs> Chubbins. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's get into the ratings part of this one. And uh, just to remind everybody of the ratings for this show, it's a one is I hated it, two I didn't like it, three liked it, four really liked it, and a five is loved it. Jared. Oh, man, I was still hemming and hawing, too, because story-wise, it's pretty easy for me to give it a three. I'm trying to decide whether or not that awesome cover bumps it up to a four for me. I'll I'll stick to the just the overall entertainment value of the book and, and give it the three, but I really thought about pushing to a four because that cover is so good. But I'll settle on the three. Delvin, how about yeah, you? Yeah, it wasn't much of a debate for me. It, it was a three. Like, I mean, I read it and I'm like, yeah, it, it was it was good enough. I mean, it, it wasn't for me to rate something under three. I just have to just think something would just have to dis- distract me enough where it just consistently annoyed me, and it didn't. I mean. For seventies book, no. it was good, and that was that was it. It was good, so three. I'm gonna agree with you guys as well too. So it looks like for all uh, we're all uh, three here that we like the book. Just the cover pushes it more for for me as well. But I gotta stay with 
I liked it as the story goes. We'll go with that. And I think that that's a. I think this is the first time we're all in agreement on all three parts. Just of because that. Jason, the cover. Jason wasn't here. That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, boat anchor Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody have any uh, final thoughts before we take a break? Uh, nope, I'm good. I'm good. All right. Well, then with that, we'll take a break. Be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. The Incredible Hulk and the Twins of Evil. In a mind-boggling attempt to destroy the Green Goliath, the Abomination and Wendigo join forces. Alone, I can fight you to a standstill. Together, we can render you helpless. Hulk only wants to fight fair. The deadly duel leave the Hulk defeated. But suddenly... It's the Hulk! Keep away. Hulk no like people. It's okay, Hulk. We'll help you. You got to have something to eat, Hulk. Here, have a hostess fruit pie. Hostess fruit pie? You'll like the real fruit filling. And how about that light flaky crust? Hulk happy now. Hulk thanks, boys. The green gargantuan crashes off into the forest. I'm glad we have hostess fruit pies to share with the Hulk. He ate them all. Apple, women, and Jerry. In a strange way, I think he knows we're his friends. Now Hulk take care of unfinished business. You get a big delight in every bite of Hostess Fruit Pies. You know the story of Kal-El. Heck, you know Superman's origins. Rocket to Earth from a dying planet, grew up in Smallville, and so on. But, you don't know the full story. Come join your hosts, Pat Sampson, Matt Moore, and Aaron Moss, as they and you witness the history of a historic character. And there may be surprises or two along the way. The Krypton Podcast, part of the DC TV Podcast Network, Available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also at kryptonpodcast.com. Come, listen, enjoy. Welcome back from the break. This next issue is... X-Men number 96, with an on-sale date of September 23rd, 1975. Uh, the editor was Marv Wolfman. The, yep, got a pause for that. Uh, the, the pause writer for is that? Chris, yeah. Sorry. Let's do a show. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it live! <laughs> still funny. <laughs> The writer was Chris Claremont. Plotter is Bill Mantelo. I wonder if he knows Barry Mantelow. Oh, wait. Penciler is Dave Cockrum. Inker, Sam Granger. Letterer is Dave Hunt. Colorist, Phil Rachelson. And on the cover is the penciler. The penciler was Maria Severinsen. Or Severin? Yeah, Severin? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, go with that. And Inker is Sal, Sal Abushema. Oh, nice. That one, yeah, see, I was fine with that. It's the Severin. Hmm, I have not actually heard, heard of that artist before. Which no, is me neither. I, 
I've heard of a lot of them. And uh, did you say it was a female type? What's it? Maria? Maria. M-A-R-I-E. She did a fine job on the cover, but I'm here on the cover. Delvin's on the cover. Yeah, speaking of covers, let's go ahead and Delvin, give us a rundown of the cover. All right. The cover has a yellow background and has the bad guy coming out from right to left. Uh, looks like some sort of green hybrid creature with uh, one eye, Cyclops, with horns as claws. Uh, kind of looks like, you know, alien-y, dragon-y type creature. And surrounding the creature are all of the all-new, all-different X-Men uh, attacking it. You got storming in, you know, with a uh, lightning bolt. You got Professor X, you know, in his uh, pose looking like, you know, maybe he's about to do some mind thing to the creature. Got Cyclops attacking it with his eye beams. Got Colossus under, you know, punching him right-handed. You got Wolverine about to dive into action. And you got Nightcrawler doing uh, the exact same thing. Right under the X-Men to the right, it says, it's the Night of the Demon. And on the bottom of the screen, or the, the page, it says, but if the X-Men can't defeat it, it may be the last night of the world. Man, I hope the X-Men can defeat it. I hope so, too. What do you think of the cover, Jared? Uh, this is a pretty good cover. It's uh, another... Um, both of our covers tonight have really good composition uh, in, in that they did a real good job of having lots of action going on. But you have your your big, strange creature right dead center, completely sort of surrounded around the periphery with the X-Men. A lot of movement, a lot of color, a lot of action. Uh, I like the way the monster is almost bursting through the cover. Like, like Delvin said, it's got that yellow back and then he's like smashing through the yellow. You can see cracks in it. Um, so, yeah, real neat, real dynamic. Um, thumbs up from Jared. I like it. Uh, I'm going to agree too. I think this one a little bit, this one's a little more busier than the Spider-Man mm-hmm. cover, Yep. but still eye catching as well. You have all the main players there going on it and uh, going after the big bad baddie that is taking up a lot of the, the area of the cover. Delvin, how about you? Uh, I thought the cover was kind of crowded, but I, I, I kind of get it though. You know, they're, they're trying to introduce these all new, all different X-Men. So they want all of them to be on the cover. You know, the bad guy looks weird and apparently it's humongous because the way that Colossus was drawn under it, you know, Colossus is a big dude and like, yeah. and right. He kind of looks tiny uh, in comparison uh, to the creature. And of course, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel kind of bad saying this, but professor X in an action stance, <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. It, it looked weird. It, I'm just, I, I just, all I'm saying, it, it looked weird, you know, but, um, but at the same time, there's not much you can do, you know, to convey the mental powers, you know, and so, but they wanted them on the cover and, and, and that's cool. Like, it's not a bad cover overall. And with that yellow background, it definitely would catch your eye if you're passing by it, you know, in the drugstore or wherever it is that you saw it. So it's a good cover, and it, and it, and, I, and it did do its job of introducing you to the characters of the book and the bad guy. The only one missing is Banshee. Yeah, I, I'm I'm going to mention something about that uh, in the book, but it was interesting because, like, okay. you know, they were you know all in the danger room practicing, and Banshee was sitting there smoking a pipe. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you lazy son of a gun. Hey, what, get there and fuck. what are you doing? <laughs> No idea. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna smoke me pipe. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> well, be, 
before we get into that, let's rate the cover of a one to three rating, and we'll go with Jared. What, what's your rating? Uh, solid two. It does its job. It's a good cover. Um, wouldn't quite go out of my way to frame it and hang on the wall, but it's still very well done. I'm going to give this one a two as well. It was solid work, but didn't give me that frame worthy for me. So, Delvin, how about you? I give it a two also. It is. Um, it's a good cover. It's nowhere near close to um the iconic uncanny x-men or all new all different x-men it's nowhere near the caliber of the top level covers but it's a good one that's an interesting point that you just made Dylan. and What's actually that, the, the cover does not say the uncanny x-men this mm-hmm. is the all new all different x-men i didn't notice that until you just mentioned it just now well at the time you know that was the only X book right mm-hmm I mean, and because like Chris Claremont, and it's one of the reasons he'll forever be a legend in X lore, not only because he created the all new, all different X-Men, but he recreated the entire universe. It was a sunk cost to Marvel. They didn't. It was a failure. It was not making money. And Chris Claremont completely revived that book to where you have like, I mean, how many X books are there now for Pete's sake? But back in the day, you know, there was only the all new, all different X Men. That was it. That's true. The the covers hasn't been called uncanny yet. Mm, not at all yet, huh? Wow, I haven't noticed that. No, I, guess I, I don't. Just, oh, go ahead. oh, go ahead, man. Sorry. I was just gonna say. I guess I just assume because when I look it up in the app, you know, when I use the the Marvel Unlimited app, oh, it's sure. filed under Uncanny X Men. I click on the use and I go into Uncanny X Men, and mm-hmm. and in my head, the original series was always called Uncanny X Men. So interesting, interesting little trivia notes. I don't know when it. Like, I, I would be interested to know when was the first issue that it went to um, Unca- Uncanny X Men. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, no. Well, somebody out there knows listening. Let us know in the comments, and we'll give that information at the end of the show. You can let us know anything else on the cover. If not, we can get rolling to the synopsis, the recap. I'm good. I'm good too. Sounds good, Delvin. You have the recap for this issue. Go ahead. very quickly. I just happened to be looking uh, through the dark web, and uh, and it uh, the Wikipedia says. The uh, title, The Uncanny X-Men, was first used in the issue 95. Oh, the one before this. Really? According to Wikipedia. No, I can check that real fast using my handy-dandy app. Well, real fast is relative. Eh, Give me a minute. you, You can do that while I read the synopsis. How about that? Word. Cyclops. Storm. Banshee. Nightcrawler. Wolverine. Colossus. Children of the Atom. Students of Charles Xavier. Mutants. Feared and hated by the world they have sworn to protect. These are the strangest heroes of all. These are the X-Men. Stanley presents the Uncanny X-Men. After the X-Men's battle with Count Nefaria, Cyclops finds himself wandering the woods around the Xavier estate deep in thought and questioning the decisions he made as team leader. Filled with grief and anger, Cyclops unleashes the full rage power of his optic blast, leveling the running forest and, unbeknownst to him, damaging an ancient cairn 
The relic emits a mysterious energy as Cyclops walks away, ashamed of his lack of control and discipline. We cut to the danger room where the rest of the X-Men are continuing their rigorous training. Professor X, meanwhile, converses with Banshee, and we are introduced to the character Moira Mataggart, who is assigned to look after the X-Men while Charles takes some time off. We cut yet again to a military installation where a Dr. Lang awaits the arrival of Colonel Rossi to approve his mysterious Project Armageddon. That sounds innocent enough. (laughs) (laughs) Lang reveals that his project will seek to capture and examine mutants in preparation for what he believes is an inevitable war between humans and mutant kind. Lang is so invested in his cause that he's even wearing a tracksuit with the Project Armageddon logo on it. (laughs) That is dedication. Dress for the job you want, not the job you have, I guess. Perhaps remembering how just yesterday a band of mutants saved the planet from annihilation, or perhaps because he's not a douche, Rossi closes the project <laughs> down, tracks soon and all. Lang does not take it well. Meanwhile, back at the X-Mansion, Professor X is introducing the rest of the team to Mora when a battered and torn Cyclops comes crashing through the window. The attacker quickly reveals himself to be a demon-like creature named Kirok, and the battle is quickly joined. The demon shrugs off Cyclops' blast, storms lightning, a flurry of punches from Nightcrawler, and even a fist to the tummy feathers by the mighty Colossus. (laughs) In the end, it is the berserker rage and razor-sharp claws of Wolverine that finally fells the beast. Their victory is short-lived, however, as the creature reanimates itself bigger and stronger and re-engages the exhausted X-Men. Realizing that the battle cannot be won by traditional means, Xavier delves painfully into the creature's mind and finds the source of its power, the ancient cairn. While the rest of the team occupies the creature, Professor X orders Storm to go back to the woods and destroy the ancient artifact. Storm arrives at her objective, but is immediately attacked by a horde of wraith-like creatures who quickly surround her and try to pull her down into the abyss. Flashing back to her claustrophobic fears of being buried alive as a child, Storm unleashes all of her power, destroying the cairn and banishing Kirok back into the void. The X-Men have survived this fight, but are left with burning questions. Who is Kirok? What did he want? Will we see his kind again? The story concludes with a brief one-panel epilogue in which we discover that Colonel Rossi has been killed in a mysterious airplane crash. With the Colonel gone, who will stop Project Armageddon? And scene. Well done. Sounded sounded like like maybe an eight-year-old wrote the synopsis, but you read it well. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man! I did my homework, by the way. I think Wikipedia is full of poops. Um, looks to me like the first time they used the Uncanny X Men is on one fourteen. Hey, one fourteen. One fourteen. I looked like, back. <laughs> that's like forty-eight difference, you know. <laughs> Somewhere in there. I looked back at ninety-five, and it says all new, all different. Oh my now God. they might have mm-hmm. they may have referred to them somewhere in the book as the Uncanny X Men, but as far as on the cover goes, it looks to me like one fourteen the first time. I think I think that might be what it was. I remember reading somewhere. I think Xavier calls it calls them my Uncanny X Men. Ah, there you go, something like that. Mm. Well, uh, getting back to this story, let's go into first read or reread. We'll start with first Dylan. read. Uh, it was a first read for me as well, Jared. First read, How first read. Yay. Let's get to highs and lows then. And Jerry, what, what's your thoughts? All right. Um, 
you have to be suspect of any comic that starts out looking up the backside of a squirrel. But for some reason, this issue starts out looking up the backside of a squirrel. Um, anyway, so. not if it's a squirrel girl comic, Jared. <laughs> so um, that squirrel's just a nut, uh, just to trying to get a nut. See, that has different meaning in a Squirrel I, Girl comic. I, I, knew, I just <laughs> anyway. Let me give you <laughs> some lows. All right, I'll go give ahead. you my biggest low first, and it happens early in the book too. Like Cyclops gets all upset and he shoots his laser beam in the forest, which hits this. I, I don't like when comics do this. Like this very conveniently placed mystic item is happens to be in the woods behind the house where they live, and I don't know if we'll find out later stories that like someone put the item there. But even so, what are the odds that? it would ever get messed with if it's hidden in the woods. Like I just found it terribly convenient. Like, like we need a, like a literal plot device in the woods behind the mansion. Maybe we need a little more backstory on how professor Xavier got the mansion in, in the area around it. Was it, is there a, a burial yeah. ground or some, some sort of, some sort of nefarious you know, lot? Yeah, yeah. I can imagine some boring story where, you know, they go through like tax audits. <laughs> <laughs> The 401.238K is signed. But yeah, I, I didn't care for that. I liked, uh, like, uh, and, and then I don't want to sound so negative. I mean, I like the book overall, but then, like, immediately after that, they have the, the danger room scene where they're all. <laughs> fighting except of course for fancy smoking a pipe and like like wolverine like almost guts nightcrawler just because nightcrawler laughed at him and just like, i'm like geez man what is he six years old or whatever like i get wolverine's a little feral but i think they were still just kind of feeling out the character for over early yeah. on of course mario mctaggart shows up and that's always a welcome thing if you know what i mean i like more more so <laughs> um, yeah, I do. I, I love the guy in his committed tracksuit to like, yeah, I'm totally going to get that these mutants. And then the other colonel's like, no, no, you're really not. Like, and they spent how much money developing that super expensive facility? Just as guy. Just, I think it went to the clothes. I know, right? Yeah. Like, we're dated. Much, like, so the government. <laughs> exactly. The government was willing to fund enormous amounts of things, and then all of a sudden it was like, nah, you down. Oh, goodness. So the, the demon shows up, and the, the brouhaha ensues, and Wolverine gets his moment in the sun, like Dolan said in the recap with the schnickety schnick, and sort of, uh, you know, really shows his, his worth. It was, it was really sort of a, a Wolverine coming out party, I think, for the new X-Men title. And well, I, th- I think, oh, I don't mean to stop you there, but I, I think I think that part goes back to him, you know, going after a Nightcrawler, and then later on he's protecting Nightcrawler. Yeah, that's my buddy. Yeah, only, only I can make fun of him or, you know. Only I can attempt to murder him when he laughs at me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah me, not you. Me and Jared are buddies. I never threw like a freaking you know knife at him for making a joke out of me. <laughs> not yet. Yeah. Give it time. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, yeah. the night is young. <laughs> so, uh, my, I think my favorite individual panel of the story is on page seventeen of this nineteen-page story or 18-page story counting cover. Anyway, Morgan McTaggart busts in with an M16 and starts spraying bullets. <laughs> 
I'm like, man, I already like I already like Mary McTaggart, but man, she's a uh, she's a uh, she just showed this is like day one of her hanging out at the X Men Mansion. She's bringing the heat, so uh, that was cool. Uh, then of course uh, we do get another another moment. You know, we had the Wolverine moment, and we got Storm's moment where where we get the quick flashbacks about how she, you know she doesn't like to be um, confined, and she gets her sort of big power moment, which was cool too. I'm, I'm also big. Storm fan, uh, for similar reasons as I'm a Mary Jane and Moira McTaggart fan. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, Ooh. and then, uh, yeah, and then she takes care of business, demon disappears, highly convenient demon disappears. So it's kind of like a one and done where I think the real value of this story was just to get your, your sort of your spotlight moments for Wolverine and Storm is what it really felt like to me. And of course, Moira McTaggart busting Captain M16. So those are my thoughts. All right. Uh, let's see. I kind of like that, you know, they had that introspection no cyclops at the beginning you know they they have they went between the last issue and this one they've gone above and beyond just to show how cyclops is a leader and that and i, I kind of appreciate it because at the end of uh the last like um and they're kind of like well you know sometimes you die you know <laughs> but but in this one it actually showed a little bit of gravity that like it actually did affect cyclops uh, that Thunderbird died, and, and, and I'm like, okay, good. That's uh, that's something that a leader would intensely care about. That somebody's team not only died but seemed to have a death wish for some reason. And, and so I thought that was some. Jared already mentioned the weird trigger about Wolverine. That was funny, not funny, haha, funny. Really, you're gonna kill your teammate. <laughs> <All right. laughs> so I, I thought it was weird. Banshee wasn't training. I, I mentioned that before. <laughs> you know, I mean, and, and, you know, I'll also mention that maybe Banshee needed some training because maybe he could have saved Thunderbird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, like, smoking his pipe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'll smoke on my pipe. Yeah, I, I just so, um, yeah, Lang was absolutely crazy. Yeah, they they established that. But now I kind of want to know who he subtracted that tracksuit to. <laughs> was it like, was it Nike? Like maybe Asics? You know, a pony. I think it'd be it pony, pony back in it was the seventies. Yeah. yeah, like I, I needed to see a logo there. That would have been cool. <laughs> BK, yo, BK, <laughs> Dr Pepper. <laughs> it is not. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> it was the colors for it. It was, it was that that red. White. All right. It, I thought it was kind of uh, weird. Moira was introduced, kind of like a housekeeper nanny for for yeah. the X Men. <laughs> for the X Men. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. These are grown ass men and women. They don't. They don't need a nanny. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we're bringing in an Irish nanny. Got it. Like Kirok came in and attacked, and Professor X immediately seemed to know a lot about him, and that was kind of weird. Like, I'm trying, let's see what. So maybe he does know something about the land that he bought. Maybe there. because, like, I mean, as as soon as Kirok came in, like Xavier was already saying things about him. You know, like. Let's see, or as an example, like comes in, like X-Men scatter, attack the demon as a team. And Scott, I, as I taught you, that's our only hope. Like what? <laughs> you literally were introduced to this demon creature like seconds ago. And there's, so I don't know, like Professor X seemed to know like about the, the demon already, which was kind of weird. And they, I, I, I wrote the question, how did Kirok get free? But you know, th- that was kind of explained and there was, half-assed let's see it, it was funny to see nightcrawler like wailing on the bad guy like it's pretty well known now that nightcrawler is one of the more physically weak x-men 
<laughs> Again, he's wailing away with his fist. Like, like bring it. Like he had attitude too. He's like, yeah, he liked that. Yeah, it's like, uh, ooh, that that that's that's cute. You know, that's that's like you know a particularly angry child. You know, coming at me like, okay, I'm I'm six three, kid. Like, beat it. And so that that's kind of what that was. It was kind of funny. It does. He gets um, he gets the tail whip. Yeah, yeah. And so let's see. I thought the panel where uh, Professor X entered uh, Kirok's mind, I thought that was just a really cool, trippy-looking panel. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, and and that was between the artist and uh, Claremont and the letterer, you know, putting everything the right way. That was very cool. I liked that a lot. And, you know, Storm kicking butt at the end was, was cool. But there was there's one part of the plot that, like, kind of makes you laugh. You know, it mentions... You know, after Storm, you know, des- destroys the Cairn. Um, am I pronouncing that right? Is it Cairn? I think it's Cairn. Okay. I wasn't sure on it when I, and yeah, I'm not even going to try to say it. what it is. And so it, it mentions, it says, you know, and in that same instance, 30 miles away, a demon simply ceases to exist. So Cyclops was wandering 30 miles away <laughs> and he's still on <laughs> Professor Xavier's land? <laughs> And then they come bursting through the window. <laughs> Did Cyclops run back? Third? How how good of a shape is this dude in? <laughs> I, I literally laughed out loud when he just came flying through that window. <laughs> I, I mean... Like they they probably it, it, I, that just happened to catch my attention. Like man, yeah, I did I didn't catch that thirty miles away. That's nuts. Yeah, homeboy ran a marathon to get back there and get thrown through that window. Like, I'd be tired too. Maybe, maybe the way his uh, he's all kind of beat up and his stuff is uniforms all torn up. Maybe he was just getting his butt whooped. You know, you know, hit for another ten miles, another five miles. <laughs> right. I mean, he's got my butt whooped for thirty miles. Yeah. He's like, yeah, soccer took, kicked. Yeah, took a butt whooping. You know, had to run a marathon while doing it. Like, it is not easy being an X man. <laughs> That's all I got. That. Some of my thoughts on it is uh, going back to the first. The first pages. Did they just sculpt uh, Thunderbird's face onto that rock? In the beginning, or is it just you know there for a dramatic point? I, I think it's there for a dramatic point. Yeah, I think it's okay. a dramatic point. I don't think that's an actual <laughs> sculpt on the rock. Because then someone would have to sculpt Knight of the Demon on the rock, too. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah. But check out that squirrel's hinder, man. <laughs> <laughs> Boy. Yeah, I just thought, I'm like, oh, that's kind of... I kind of figured it was that, but just... Like, okay, that's kind of dramatic. But uh, my, my other thought, too, is, yeah, are, are these just artifacts that are just floating around on this land? It kind of says that he's, where are they, that, that he's out of ways, walking around, you know, feeling sorry for himself everywhere. And then he gets mad. He overdoes it. lets his eyes go loose there. And then, you know, it's like, okay, so then you hit this thing and it's once you put the fire out, no, you just walk away from it. Maybe if he wouldn't uh, t- put the fire out, uh, he would have been able to see the demon coming after him or, or the, the beast coming after him. Well, I mean, him. he saw him eventually, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Only um, Cyclops can prevent I like, forest uh, fires. <laughs> <laughs> fires. <laughs> or start them. <laughs> uh, I like how, the, you know, they're the, guy, the team's in the danger room. And then uh, you have them just about fighting. And then uh, next thing you know, uh, Banshee and Professor are there. In the background, there's a nice picture frame kind of hanging up there. <laughs> like, well, how'd that get into the danger room? <laughs> it's like a 
like at a pirate. It's like a picture or something yeah. like that. Ah, it looks like yeah, a big buckle or something. I don't know. But it's like, okay, they go from, uh, you know, the metal of the danger room going on and then right away to some, you know, nice paneling <laughs> or, or background. <laughs> and Banshee's Banshee's chilling, smoking his pipe. I like Myra showing up. I know very little about her, so that that's kind of intriguing how they kind of... I don't know too much about what else she brings, but I thought it was funny too. Then you know she comes up with that gun and just starts <laughs> blasting. <laughs> day one, by the way, that's day one yeah. of her employment. Well, yeah, you know, you, you get to the X Mansion, you know something's up. She's got to know. <laughs> Track suit, yep, definitely. That guy is going all out. <laughs> committed. He's committed. He, yeah, he's committed to it. And I do see in in the the panel where the uh, the colonel or the other guy walks away telling him that he's shutting him down or whatever you see the uh purple boot and a leg mm-hmm. now i don't know oh yeah yeah i didn't see didn't catch that a little sentinel hint there huh nice bet nice. i think that i and don't he, know he did is mention he it mentioned bolivar trask in there somewhere too yeah interesting good good so, eye pat good so, eye. well it's a bigger facility too yeah because they're walking yeah they put a lot of money into so, the facility that they decided to shut down <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think ho- hopefully we see some um, Sentinel action going on in the next few episodes. So I'm, I'm kind of excited for that, for that little hint I saw there. Um, I like how uh, Banshee's all uh, falling over Myra. But yeah, and then uh, Kirok, you know, I think that's a good name. I think uh, I heard that the Kirok opened up for <laughs> yes in, in the early traveling days. <laughs> I believe that's accurate. Inside jokes. Um well, I'll tell you what that's funny about that, though, is uh, was I the only one that, that kept hearing Phil Hartman from Saturday Night Live was he, when he played the unfrozen caveman lawyer? <laughs> nice. It's just oh, Kirok, Your Honor. I, I did not think about unfrozen <laughs> caveman lawyer. Oh, my God. <laughs> She'd say, uh, Mr. Kirok, it's just Kirok, Your Honor. So every time I saw Kirok, in my head I heard, it's just Kirok, Your Honor. <laughs> And now, tonight's episode of Unfrozen Caveman Lawyer. Mr. Keyrock, are you ready to give your summation? It's just Keyrock, Your Honor, and yes, I'm ready. Thank you. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I'm just a caveman. I fell in some ice and later got thawed out by some of your scientists. Your world frightens and confuses me. Sometimes the honking horns of your traffic make me want to get out of my BMW and run off into the hills or whatever. Sometimes when I get a message on my fax machine, I wonder, did little demons get inside and type it? I don't know. My primitive mind can't grasp these concepts. But there is one thing I do know. When a man, like my client, slips and falls on a sidewalk in front of a public library, then he is entitled to no less than $2 million in compensatory damages and $2 million in punitive damages. Thank you. The jury will now retire to deliberate. Now, I may be just a crazy <laughs> devil-haired, one-eyed beast, but... 
When I speak on the phone, is this electronic signals being sent to my device? Or are there tiny people in there talking? I don't know. <laughs> it's just key rock, Your Honor. <laughs> Other than that, I, I enjoyed the story. Um, thought it was good story. Good, good sideway. You get some action going on. Everybody doing their part. And uh, Storm becoming the big hero and destroying what um, Cyclops couldn't do at the end. So, but I am like I said, and then finding out, okay, well, uh, Lang or or whatever, uh, Lang did what he said he was going to do and take make sure that he doesn't get back to the to stop the the organization they had planned. We had tracksuits made, dude. You've got to die. <laughs> <laughs> you think deals with Pony are cheap? They are not. <laughs> They are a high-class organization. And what's weird is in the next episode, Spider-Man's going to get rid of the body for them. (laughs) I know a silo gets rid of everything. Interesting. Yeah, you just drop it down that hole, and uh, nobody will find it. All your cares go away. Twenty, thirty years. <laughs> um, anybody have any other thoughts on this? Yes. They mentioned okay. that uh, Kirok was part of uh, the. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, it's just Kirok. <laughs> they, they, they mentioned Kirok, just Kirok, was a part of the Indari, I think. Yeah. And that alien yeah. group comes up later in X history, I'm pretty sure. Oh, I didn't know that. Then that's why we keep you around. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's not for the good looks, I can tell you that. <laughs> no, exactly. Hey. Hey. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not strong in X-Men lore. Cause, uh, no, and, and that's, that's why I'm, I'm really enjoying going through these, uh, both this and Spider-Man right now, because I'm learning a lot and it, it's fun for me. So definitely having a great time and, and, and learning from you guys as well. Well, you, you look at, I mean, th- this is foundational X-Men stuff. Like, all of this stuff was brand new at the time. And uh, it's, I don't know, you know, they, they handed it off to, you know, Claremont and basically just said, well, here you go. Do whatever with it. We don't care. It's not making us money. And he turned it into, you know, what it is today. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, Claremont deserves a lot of credit for that. You know, there, there's an irony in that because when X-Men, uh, when the first X-Men movie came out and it was super popular, Chris Claremont had been away from the X-Books for some time. And he actually came back and started writing it again. But, like, in early 2000s, like, Chris Claremont's style was kind of really similar to what it is now in the 70s, like, you know, wordy, verbose, and he was trying to introduce mm-hmm. these characters in the book. <laughs> the book was kind of unreadable. And they went ahead and said, okay, Chris, uh, you know, here, here's some balls to play with, and you go play with those balls and <laughs> not come back to writing X-Men again. <laughs> and so, you know, they, so he did, he did a whole lot to bring the X-Men to where they are today. And it, it's interesting that he did that, but just, you know, I, I don't know if his style really relates to today's reader as much, but it definitely was good for its time. Not good. It was epic. It was yeah. epic. Yeah. And that's a, that's the thing I think going, starting these reads, these, these reads through with these is, is I'm going into it with that thought, that mentality in my mind is, okay, this is a bigger epic, a lot of bigger, you know, things going on here. 
story threads are being, you know, they may go on for a while. They may go down, may not even show up again. But, you know, learning that, you know, this history of it, uh, that's what I'm really enjoying. And when reading it, I have to look at it that way as well, too. Yeah. Same with, with Spider-Man that I'm kind of looking at it with, in that eye, with those eyes as well, too, a little bit, knowing that, okay, these are some of the, you know, more foundational issues or, you know, more epic or, you know, just high, you know, topic or I want to say topic, but special issues that we may be reading through right now and that have stood the test of time. Well, yeah, I like I said before, I think you're getting the reason you have these digital collections that you do have is that they were sort of the Spider-Man one was was sort of because the clone saga was hot. So there, you got the roots of that. And this would have been about the time that X-Men was rolling out the movie. Um, the first one came yeah. out in like 2000 and, and the clone stock stuff was late 90s. So it would make sense. They're like, let's put some of these, you know, classic things back in the spotlight since they're starting to be big again. Yeah, I think yeah, th- this came out or the the scans on these are like two thousand. Oh, okay. So. so there you have it. Yeah, they're definitely just yeah. giving you basically X Men history lessons, and and who better yeah. to write a history lesson than Chris Claremont? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> I remember when he and John Byrne got back together to work on Justice League. I remember, and if anybody oh, else God. remembers that, and yeah. I was like, I was excited because I was like, I know this is like a classic golden duo. On what a, on Justice League, it just was not very good. It was very disappointing. <laughs> yeah, at some point you have to. I mean, you know, you have your own writing style, but you got you, you got to kind of change something up, or I don't know, go outside and actually see how people t- talk in current time. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Any other thoughts on this, guys? No, sir. Well, let's get into ratings. We'll start with Jared. I would. I didn't put any thought into my rating on this, but uh, shooting from the hip, I'm gonna. It's a three. It's a three. Uh, how about you, Devil? I give it a three as well. You know, wasn't um. You know, nothing landmark happened. You know, it didn't blow me away as a as an issue, but it wasn't bad either. So it gets a three. And I, I agree with you as well too. It gets a three from me. Nothing exciting to put me over the edge, but it key. It is still keeping me interested that I want to learn a little bit more and, and get on to that next episode. So it's a big uh, like like to buy all of us on this go-around. Um, with that, uh, as long as we don't have anything else, why don't we go ahead and take a break, and we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, I'm Paul Spataro. I don't know if you know me, but I'm a regular on Back to the Bins, along with my friends Dr. Bill Robinson. Hello. And Mr. Scott Gardner. Hey, how's it going? Andy's been asking us for a promo for the show for the longest time, and Bill has been writing it for the longest time. Bill, you got that promo written yet? Uh... Okay, so, anyway, what we do is we review three comic books. We try to do it every week. Usually it's a Marvel, a DC, and a Captain Canuck book for Scott. So, tune in every week to Back to the Bins to listen to our show. You can find us at twotruefreaks.com. Welcome back from the break. Now let's get the feedback part of the show where we share your comments, emails, questions, likes, and shares in a segment called Crusader Comments. Please take a moment to write a review on iTunes for this podcast, even if you just want to keep it short with just star ratings. It helps raise the profile of the show, and we will share your review on the next show. 
Let's get into the social media likes, shares, and retweets from Erna or Era or A. Anar. That's at Cap. Oh, I can't even say the Muhammad. Thanks, Thanks Anar. Yes. <laughs> Why do you think I gave you the first one, Pat? <laughs> Oh, and and by the way, folks, we are recording this later on. So Jason is jo- Jason has finally joined us on this recording. Little behind the scenes editing we do here. So c- continue on. Who's next? Me, Bron- Bronze Age Babies. Appreciate it. Bubba Calgar. Cheap comic websites and comic construct. And we have good a good follower, Chris. Oh, he's BTO and Bat Books from Bat Books and Roll down the highway. Let it roll. <laughs> Why are you singing that? I don't get it. B- it's BTO. Not a Turner Overdrive, man. Oh, oh. You don't have that on the dark web, I'm real. No, no, there's <laughs> not. There's not. There's <laughs> a lot of Al Green, but. Zelo. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, uh, Dark, oh, Dark Web uh, at T-Raid1977. Thank you, Dark Web. Thanks, Dark Web. Uh, which brings us to Dave Maynard. Thank you, Dave. And the one and only Firestorm fan. Thanks, FF. That, that's um, Shag. That's the irredeemable Shag. So. That's what I was guessing. That's right. Uh, then we have for the non-discerning reader, Blogspot. And that is... Obviously a non-discerning listener, uh, too. Thanks. <laughs> And uh, we have Jamie Reed. Uh, looks like a friend and family of the podcast joining in. That's right. That is Jason oh, and I's sister. Great. Brings us to the most important person who does likes and retweets, which is Gerard, Gerard Alberich. Gerard. He's at Yard Sale Artist. Thanks, Gerard. J-Rod. I don't like that guy. <laughs> I'm going to thank myself, Jason Albrecht. <laughs> <laughs> We all got our own name. That's crazy. Uh, we, we like ourselves. Well, that's all right. Let's keep going. Oh, am I next? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then we have Joe Crawford, who is who does the blog spot for for the non-discerning reader. So thanks, Joe. All right. Next up is Ken Solo. Thanks, Ken. Sorry for accusing you of murder a while back there, Ken. <laughs> uh, then we have Mike Starhill. Thank that's you, Mike a, Starhill. A that is a cool name. Uh, that's, a, that's a friend of ours here out in Washington. I have to thank him for uh, listening. Uh, Ninja Phil at Here Be Ninja. Whoop, whoop. Ninja Phil was our 300th follower on Twitter. My turn? <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, I go after Jason. Got to remember that. <laughs> Or the awkward silence, whichever one. After me or the awkward silence. Uh, next on the list is nobody at nobody6000. Thank you, nobody. <laughs> Thanks, nobody. <laughs> next up is uh, Pat Sampson. Woo-hoo. Yes, pretty good guy. Pretty good guy. I've heard good things. Good thing. After that Pat Sampson dude, we have R&D Adventures, or Rad Adventures, or Ruth and Darren Adventures. It's Ruth and Darren. Thanks for following and uh, listening and sharing and liking and retweeting Ruth and Darren. Thank you, guys. And then Ruth Sutherland. Who is part of the R&D. Who, who, who is the R of R, R&D? Yeah. They're the Trekker Talk yep. folks, right? Yeah. Don't, don't spoil who's coming next. It's just Pat. <laughs> oh, it's me. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot <laughs> the awkward silence. <laughs> He's so bad at this. <laughs> oh, well, and we have Trekker Talk. 
Thank you. And finally, uh, Warlord Worlds. Ooh, that's a difficult one to say. Warlord Worlds. Warlord Worlds. Who's next? Uh, oh, okay. That's it for well, that section. Now it's social media replies and comments. Well, let's go into that then. Here we got a few social media replies and comments from Bubba Kelgar. And Bubba says, hilarious, guys. Well done. Bubba's uh, one of, he's a buddy of mine. He's an Auburn uh, goer, tour and stuff. Way back War in Eagle. the day when we went, uh, Jared. So cool. Or Eagle, Bubba. Next up is uh, Jared Albrecht at Yard Sale Artist. Firestorm fan pops in the intro and again in outtakes. True enough. That's a true statement. Comments from R&D Adventures around 58 minutes. And at Here Be Ninja gets a shout out at one hour and three minutes. So all those are facts. Go back and listen to it again. That's right. Those are all facts. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Rad Adventures. uh, Ruth and Darren said, uh, ha ha. I just mentioned this to Darren and he was ahead of me. He had listened to the whole show today and enjoyed it and heard our comments. So we got a little feedback from Ruth and Darren. They're great folks. They do the great shows. uh, Yeah, they do Trekker Talk and Warlord Worlds. Probably something I'm forgetting. They're uh, they're very nice folks. Xenophiles. There you go. I was up at uh, Bellingham at the Bellingham Comic Con. Ran into Ron Randall, and he wanted to to say hello to Ruth and Darren. So hello, Ruth and Darren. Hello, Ruth. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Hello. (laughs) Not even rehearsed. (laughs) There's your uh, telegram from Ron Randall to you, Ruth and Darren. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Hello. (laughs) Hello. All right, Jason. Last comment. I'll do it. I'll wrap it up here with uh, Ninja Phil and at Here Be Ninja and, and Ninja Phil says, "Awesome! I feel like I've won some sort of prize. Someone get me a three hundredth follower badge." Thank you. So, Jared, you need to get on that badge. All right, it's uh, uh, it's in the mail or the post, as they call it, where Ninja uh, Phil lives. Thank you, Ninja Phil. Uh, and speaking of that, we thanks, uh, Ninja Phil. We are. Getting close, the the Twitter account is getting close to 400. We're hovering around 390-ish. So yeah, I just looked at it right now. We're at 392 uh, at this moment. So, it, it, nice. so give us a give us a, a like on the tweet, please, and help us bump us. So to get 400, we need to uh, carry the the the, the, the 400 <laughs> person. We will give you also a singing telegram. That's right. We will castagram or whatever you want to call it. So. <laughs> Help us out. All right, I'll go to the next one then, unless somebody else wants to read this one. Oh, I, no, I'm a big fan of the next okay. one. <laughs> the next one was yes. the blog response, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we got awesome. a response to on the blog site, longboxcrusaderchronicles.blogspot.com. And on there, uh, a post from episode six, we had a note from Assignment Writing Service UK. And they write Is the cease and desist oh. order? <laughs> <laughs> and they write, I literally enjoyed listening this episode of Longbox Crusade Crusader Chronicles. It is one of my favorite. Thanks for uploading this at your blog's post. <laughs> we love spam feedback, so <laughs> yes. thank you, bestassignmentservices.co.uk <laughs> If you had a blog spot, I would respond back to you as well, too. <laughs> we would be like, we very much like your service. It is top-notch best. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> <laughs> we will be listening to future podcasts later. <laughs> oh, so, oh, if you want to send riveting comments as well, please go to longboxcrusaderschronicles.blogspot.com and leave us a comment. We enjoy them and we'll say them on the show, obviously. Now, before we go, Jared had a quick 
Twitter poll that he did before this recording. So, Jared, go ahead and give us an explanation of what All right, I did. just threw out a, a quick quick Twitter poll to see uh, which cover did our audience like best. I posted pictures of both the X-Men uh, 96 and the um, Spider-Man 151. And actually, for just a three-hour poll, we actually got a fair amount of interaction. Uh, I'd like to give some shout-outs real quick to the people who, who verbally interacted. We had uh, Kirk Spencer. He's interacted for, with us before. He's a he's a good listener of the show. He said, it's not even a contest for me. That Spidey cover is amazing. To which Craig Peterson replied, the one time I can't like your comment, tisk tisk." So apparently Craig's an X-Men guy. Kirk said that's mm-hmm. just madness. But uh, anyway, let's go to the actual results. For a three-hour poll, we had actually 22 people voted. Uh, not too bad. Oh, yeah, awesome. so yeah, thanks Thank to everyone who voted, and I think we all know which cover came out on top. What do you think? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's on top because I listed no, it first. No, just... But yeah, Spidey beat the X Men uh, out pretty handily. Seventy-seven percent of the vote to Spider Man, twenty-three percent to the Mutants. So yeah, that Spider Man cover was sort of the overwhelming favorite. I get why the there was a percentage that liked the X Men cover. A lot of action going on, but that Spidey cover just uh, sure. is just dopeness yeah definitely. so that's us checking cool. on the twitter poll excellent and i think i would say then folks keep an eye out for the next one as we give your results on the next yeah one. as long as we have more than one book i'll throw a poll yeah. out some episodes we only have one book so not much of a vote there but yeah we've got multiple books i'll try to remember to throw one out and we'll have a little fun yeah yeah sounds good well with that uh that's going to be the end of this episode so be sure to check out the website longboxcrusaderchronicles.blogspot.com uh, where posts will be made for journaling this crusade. So I want to give a big thanks to uh, bo- both uh, Jared Elbrick, the Yard Serialers. Thank you. Hey, I'm always happy to be here. And uh, Delvin Williams. Hey, my pleasure, man. For joining me as well, too. He's the yeah. retail artist. <laughs> the re- he's a dark man. <laughs> I, I, I shop on Amazon sometimes. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's relevant. <laughs> Uh, thanks, guys, for being on the show. Um, why don't we find out where, if people like what they hear or want to get in t- contact with you and follow you around more on, on the webs out there, uh, where can they find you on? All here? right. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Yard Sale Artist. You can follow me on Facebook at Jared Albrick. That's uh, J-A-R-R-O-D. Last name is A-L-B-E-R-I-C-H. But I bet if you put in Yard Sale Artist, you will find me on Facebook as well. Uh, if you want to hear more of my chit-chats, go over to the White Rocket Entertainment Network, uh, where you can hear me as a co-host on the 007 podcast on Our Majesty's Secret podcast. I'm on the Quantum Leap Rewatch podcast and on the Babylon 5 Rewatch podcast. If you want to know about where you can find me and my art and my upcoming appearances, always, always check out uh, Twitter. Uh, again, Yard Sale Artist, it's my pinned tweet, always has my upcoming appearances. So check it out. Come see me and let's chat live. It'll be fun. Yeah, do it. And if you see him, tell him you heard him on the Longbox Absolutely. Crusade. Absolutely. I probably I might even give you something for free if you if you mention Longbox Crusade. You never know. Cool. Awesome. And Delvin, how about Just you? Just want to let Jerry know. Hopefully it's not it. like a strip tease. Generally, nobody <laughs> wants that. <laughs> Everybody wants it. <laughs> Pretty sure that's an assault, brother. Um, uh, you can find me on Twitter um, at de underscore ray nineteen seventy seven. Yeah, just uh, at me, and we can chat about anything, man. I'm usually pretty easy to chat with. Uh, that's all I got. Well, and you can also follow along on the show here at at Longbox Crusade. Uh, you can also 
Fine. That's where you'll find me hanging out on the Twits, Twitters, and uh, you can follow me on Facebook if you'd want. Also at Longbox Crusade, or if you want to look me up, it's just Pat Sampson if you want to be my friend. So. <laughs> Please be my friend. I'm looking for more friends. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I promise you won't be. You like what I tweet? Yeah, I, I can vouch for for so. Pat's uh, for his Facebook. Uh, he, you're always posting pretty amusing pictures. He always finds a way to take pictures of himself in interesting places. <laughs> Clothes, yes. Well, they're not they're not risque <laughs> at all. Well, if you if you private message him, you, you see. Oh, really? I mean, <laughs> oh, that's inappropriate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, send me a DM. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> I guess with that, uh, thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of Crusader Chronicles. So, you got a comment or question, email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com or leave a comment on the Longbox Crusade Facebook or Twitter page. Until next time, take care and please join us for the next episode as we continue on this crusade to read them all. Read them all. Read them all. Been walking these streets so long, singing the same old song. I know every crack in these dirty sidewalks of Broadway, where hustle's the name of the game, and nice guys get washed away like the snow and the rain. There's been a Songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We make no money on this podcast, and it is for entertainment purposes only. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes. Hello? Do, 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 do. Yes. All right. Which one are we? Without Jason here, we just, I would just sit here and stare at each other. <laughs> we don't know what to do. Was, 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 was Jason the straw that starts to drink? <laughs> Apparently it is. <laughs> like befuddled. Like I don't know what comes next. Did you get? Uh, well, I know Jared got the pre-release. I have not. I did get it. I have not listened to it. I want to. Uh-huh. I need to. I'm going to make it a point to do that. Well, you're I not on the epi- you're not on the episode. So, yeah, you're uh, not on it. Don't know. be in a big hurry. <laughs> okay, in that case, I'm going to it. <laughs> <laughs> Hate you guys. Well, no, I mean. I have up uh, Jason's summary for uh, X-Men 96. Good God, that is lengthy. It is lengthy.
I was when I first saw it, I said that's too long. But then I timed it and read it out loud, and it took me right at two minutes. So I was like, well, I guess it works. I haven't read anything out loud like this since Sunday school. I don't think. Yeah, if you read through that pretty quick, we don't need some slow repetition of that. Freaking Jason, slowness. The life lesson here is don't be the guy who's not on the podcast. Because <laughs> <laughs> apparently you get ragged on. <laughs> I'll do the opening. I'll just introduce you guys. And I'll kind of go in and out real quick. <laughs> <laughs> hey. hey. <laughs> you said you're going to be joined by fellow podcasters or friends. Which one am I? <laughs> oh, oh, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'd keep that open just in case. All right, we can go into Spider Man. I hear he does whatever a spider can, but that's just a rumor. <laughs> Spins away. Is he strong? Just like flies. <laughs> I switched. I switched lyrics on you though. I asked yeah, the group, is he strong? Everyone. And somebody was supposed to say, listen, bud. Listen, bud. He's got radioactive <laughs> blood. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Action is his reward. It was in the last issue now, wasn't it? Ow! <laughs> Creds cover. Got it. We can- you got it. Let's do it. That was good. <laughs> Here we go. Let's do it live. It's still funny. It's always funny. Welcome back. Our first comic for this issue. Uh, God, I hate episode. you so much. <laughs> yeah. After these messages, we'll be right back. Oh, look at you. That whole ABC cartoon. <laughs> it's We're going to show them how it's done right. Long box style. This is how we do it. We're going to show it long box style. Hostess. Long box. These nuts. Okay, no. I, you, you know what? Let's, no, that's no, fine. No, no, let's no, no, go. No. I, I, I got this. this. We'll do it live. <laughs> we'll do it live. We'll do it live. <laughs> It's always funny. I'm just looking at a name that I'm sure I'm not going to pronounce right. <laughs> I love it. It's okay. We we will not tease you about it. We are not going to. I think I'll, well, maybe I'll do. He fun. is lying. <laughs> <laughs> you work on the line. I'll, I'm going to go mute and I'll text him back. In a mind-boggling attempt to destroy the Green Goliath, the Abomination and Windigo join forces. Now we wait. I see you drop your voice, you know, an octave there. Yeah, you like yeah. that? Yeah, it was, it was sexy. That's my, sexy. Uh, my announcing voice. Nice. Hello. I liked it. In a mind-boggling <laughs> attempt to destroy the... <laughs> Hello there. Paging Mr. Herman. Mr. Herman. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought for sure you were going to do the Hulk voice since you did the Hulk voice for uh, when we were talking about um, Civil War. Oh, you didn't, Hulk, no sign. <laughs> Hulk, no sign. <laughs> Hulk only want to fight fair. Hulk only want to fight fair. <laughs> Sound like drunk Arnold Schwarzenegger. Now, Hulk, take care of business. Unfinished business. Ah. Get it, now, Hulk, take care of unfinished business. He's probably taking a poop. <laughs> God, these pies went right through me. <laughs> Damn process filling. <laughs> what kind of asshole likes apple? <laughs> oh, my God. oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh, let's let's do the end. Ready? Wait, yes. what's the end? 
It's that you get a big delight. Who's reading that? Bite. The narrator. What? Oh, no. well, don't we all want to do it? Oh, we all read it together? We can try. Or is this or one of those things where it should, can... should each one of us do it and then you, you sync it up as easier to sync it up yeah. digitally? Okay, I'll do it that all way. Right, you go, go first, first so we get the cadence. You get a big delight in every bite of Hostess Fruit Pies. Do I do it as the Hulk or do I do it as me? <laughs> we can do it as you want, whatever voice you want. You get a big delight in every bite of Hostess Fruit Pies. Oh, okay. You get a big delight in every bite of Hostess Fruit Pies. I got an extra one for you. You ready? You get a big delight in every bite. Hostess Fruit Pies. Who's that? It's Christopher Walken, obviously. Walken. (laughs) What was it? I didn't didn't catch that, Jared. I didn't catch it at all. All right, all right, all right. I got one more for you. Lemon flavor. Cherry, what are you doing? That's your walking. It's not bad. It's it's my. It's the same as mine from twelve years ago. <laughs> All right, how about this one? You'll get a big delight in every bite of hostess fruit pies. By Connery. <laughs> That's a good one. All right, I think uh, unless you got any more voices you'd like to lend to this. <laughs> I'm waiting on Dolan to do an impersonation. He's never done one. He's mocked mine, but he's never done his own. <laughs> of which of which person? I, I would never try and do a Christopher Walken. Of anybody. I don't think I've ever heard you do an impersonation of anybody. <laughs> really? Let's see. I, I don't know. I'm not uh, uh, of all of the humor that I have, you know, all, you know, that fills that, you know, teaspoon <laughs> that uh, of, of humor that I have like But it's a potent uh, teaspoon. Oh, <laughs> you say the sweetest thing. Uh, not not much of it is impersonation humor. I don't I don't really do great impersonations. But you find time to mock mine. That's that's the point we need. To understand. Oh, absolutely, uh, Pat. Like uh, J- Jared's not listening to this. It it is forever a running joke with, with Jared and me that, and I've told Jared this that even if I like if I had my back turned. And he did like such a spot on Christopher Walken impersonation that I thought Christopher Walken himself were in the room with me. I would still turn around and be like, oh, dude, that sucked. That's terrible. <laughs> that is an <laughs> awful impersonation. Pain so. of my existence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. Wait a second. Speaking of Bane. You get oh, you get a big delight in every bite of Hostess fruit pies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, Mister Bond, I expect you to have a Hostess fruit pie. <laughs> so you just did like every Bond villain in one impression. Yeah. <laughs> Too bad Jason missed out. You find my Hostess fruit pies attractive, hooray! <laughs> I think Pat's just drinking now. <laughs> Or like, uh, like, explanate, or uh, uh, what do I want to say? Like when uh, Wolverine goes, holy Hannah. <laughs> right. That is not something, something that he would say. Explanation. Yeah. Yeah. Like Inexplicable expletives. Uncanny, do it. <laughs> yeah. Try that one. In- inexplicable expletives. Inexplicable expletives. <laughs> holy Hannah. The fact that Colossus has to refer to himself in third person. I'm Pete Colossus. Yeah. Oh, whatever, Pete. <laughs> Shut up, Pete. Give me another beer, Pete. <laughs> Read them live. We'll do it. Do, do it live. live. <laughs> do it. No, my tummy feathers. Okay, I'll, I'll do the. I'll do the kids. <laughs> I hope you have that on recording. Uh, 
<laughs> so much for that job, yeah. Delvin. <laughs> May of '89, man, that's okay. that's entering into Batmania territory. Batman. Yeah, I haven't even looked to see what the or what the Billboard top was. Well, probably Powell Abdul something something. Yeah, you're probably not wrong. May of '89. You're right. She was just popping then. She had her day, man. She absolutely had her day. She took two steps forward. And then two steps back, yes. Uh. We come together. <laughs> I'm just like a cat, don't you know? <laughs> it, editing takes a while. It could take like a half an hour to do 15 minutes or more. Yeah, it's not glamorous work, and that's why I leave it to you. Mm. I only do the glamorous things. Cold lightning works every time. <laughs> Your Billy D. Williams impersonation isn't too bad. Yeah, that- <laughs> All right. We well, can actually go to bed before midnight. Yeah. I don't know what to do yeah, with myself. I, was say, I don't want to watch some smut. I, I know. I'm, I'm- <laughs> <laughs> Keep that to yourself. <laughs> Y'all want to get high? <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks. Smoke if you got them. You know what? I'm, I'm yeah, actually upset that nowhere in the podcast I forgot to put in the line about the best man, the better man, about Jason not being there. Ah, brother. <laughs> Damn it! Next time, I'm, oh. I'm, I'm full of regret. I'm, I'm full of regret. <laughs> That's all right. I almost forgot to mention Key Rock until the near the end. <laughs> it's just Key Rock, you know. It's Key Rock. Well, we, we at least got one good joke in there. You yeah, know, for, for the whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it. We'll take 